Hello and welcome to Talk to Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive of Behavioral Health for Providence in Oregon and Chief Clinical Officer for Work to Be Well. Joining me today to discuss the 2022 midterm elections and their impact on mental health are two National Student Advisory Council members from Work to Be Well. And they're from joining us today from Texas and Philadelphia, who both of whom had some pretty big elections, uh, as we did here in Oregon. First, as a reminder, the information provided during this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended, nor is it implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. I want to get us started today by having you each introduce yourself, where you're from, and why is this topic important to you? Hello, my name is Mohammed Shadid. I'm a senior at South Fayette High School in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, and it, this is an important topic because it, it dominated, uh, I think, everyone's lives for the past few weeks, especially. Um, social media was filled with topics about politics. Uh, there were tons of ads. Every time I just tried to watch, every time I just tried to watch a YouTube video, I couldn't escape them. So it was definitely um, really important. You could ten- sense it was an important election. I'm Sahasra Kundakuri. I'm from Carroll Senior High School in South Lake, Texas. And this is very important to me because I, I mean, well, first off, I couldn't step outside the house without seeing signs everywhere about the election. Just like, vote for this candidate, vote for that candidate. And it's it's just everywhere. You can't really get away from it, as Muhammad mentioned. Oh, I would totally agree. Every time you turn on the television, there was an ad. I was watching uh, The Election is Over. I was watching college football yesterday, and there were still election ads from the Georgia election playing on a show in Oregon. So it was really interesting to watch because for some, the elections aren't quite over yet. But what are your thoughts about this last election cycle? How do you think things went? I thought it was actually exciting. Um, that might be weird to say, but it was like a really like close race in almost like every state. Um it's what, like 50-50 for Democrats and Republicans in the Senate now, I believe. Uh, um, that just shows like how close it was across the country. Um, like the shifts in like views into, uh, politically um, and support for like Democrats and Republicans. Yeah, I I was excited because there, there were a lot of surprises and a lot of hopes going around because I know there's a large uptick in Gen Z voters from the past two years of a lot of Gen Z kids being able to vote now. And so there are a lot of surprises from that. Well, you know, in Oregon, we have now, uh, I believe, the youngest member of the Senate ever uh, Mm -hmm. in Florida. I think they elected a Gen, uh, no, was it a Gen X? Um, I think it's it's Gen Z. It was like the first Gen Gen Z legislator. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But it was it was quite fascinating for me. I was very personally connected to this election cycle. I have a very good friend who ran for governor here in Oregon and she won. And it's absolutely amazing. And she is one of two uh, lesbian governors for the very first time here. And it's so cool to see somebody that I've known for so long who's so very passionate about um, Oregon and very passionate about the things that I value and the things that I care about, uh, who's going to become governor. So I'm super excited. But I want to, you know, you both have been around for a while. You've watched politics. You've got some political thinking in there. How do you think that the political sphere has changed since 
this last presidential election or, or even really since COVID? How have things changed? There have been a lot of not new topics, but just I feel like there's some topics that have become a lot more prevalent since then, or at least to me, because I before COVID, I didn't pay attention to politics nearly as much as I do now. And so things like climate action and stuff like that, those, they mean a lot more to me now. Yeah, I think COVID like lifted the blanket over these topics because they were able to like be hidden for a while, but then COVID forced them all to be out in the open. Um, And I think there's a lot more, there was a lot more intensity around them too, and like controversy around these topics. And then the phenomenon of cancel culture, uh, like if anytime someone said anything controversial and it was stuck on social media, if it was brought up from the past in social media, that person's career could be in jeopardy and their credibility as a politician uh, was lost. Yeah, because especially like with the pandemic, we're all at, we, we were all at home for a long time and on our devices and on the Internet for so long that it just that that access to that information um, and like to other people and other opinions increased almost exponentially. And so our thoughts were changing quite rapidly. You know, I think that's a really good point, because with the pandemic, when everybody was at home, um, a lot of we were very insulated. And things were seen primarily through the views of what you saw on social media, what you saw on the television, what you saw in, in YouTube and other places like that. Um, but there wasn't a lot of opportunity um, for discourse, you know. It was it was very singularly focused where I can I can remember, you know, debates where it was so strange, you know, there would be no audience and and no nothing, just two candidates and a moderator. And it was it was really strange. Um, It's interesting. You know, we were talking a little bit about younger voters and Sasser, you mentioned about the first time that that many young people have voted. Um, How do you think this is all impacting young voters? I mean, I know a lot of us are very worried about the future and where things are going to end up, as I mentioned before, with climate in particularly. But uh, for us, like those are some pretty important topics that really change how we vote and what we want for the future. So, yeah. yeah I think it's a really instrumental moment uh, in terms of for us advocating. Uh, we believe in the future and for advocating for change it shows that the youth cares about themselves and that they believe in themselves and that they are willing to make change um which disproves the opinions that gen z doesn't really care about the future of the planet and that they'll be the ruin of the world mm-hmm. this shows that we are proactively trying to take steps to improve yeah, i think i think we are some one of the most like active generations in politics at the moment or at least uh, at, a, at such a young age, at the very least. And it's also important because in the past years, like youth weren't voting in like in terms of other generations. Uh, there was as much, there was as high a percentage of youth voting as there is now in Gen Z. Mm-hmm. No, I would agree with you. And I think there was a lot more activity to reach out to younger voters, especially around issues like climate change and, and things that youth care about. And that can be also pretty stressful because then you get those really dark political ads, you know, that show the the entire world is going to come to an end if you don't vote this way or that way. And it all feels very final and it can all be super stressful. 
Uh, when you think about that kind of election related stress, how do you deal with it? I know what I do, <laughs> but I'm wondering what you do. I think consuming a healthy amount um, and regulating the amount of information you take in, especially at the height uh, in the, the weeks before the election, that's when the height of, um, inter- like, I, want, I don't want to say propaganda, but like information that tries to sway you to vote one way or another is released. Um, just understand uh, what you're consuming. Stay true to your own values too. That's the most important thing too. Don't let um, one politician scare you uh, in a certain direction. Um, stay true to what you believe and try and align your values with another politician. I found that uh, along with that healthy dose, like if you wanted trying to get involved in those in in the values that you believe in, getting involved in organizations that help push those values or push for that action, then that can help you at least feel a sense of um, I'm trying my best to get where we're going or I'm trying my best to do what's what I believe is the best for the state or this country or this world. And so at least that gives a sense of relief that I'm doing my best. And if it doesn't work out, then that's what's happening, I guess. You know, that's a really, really good point, because if you're it, the more that we become active and participate and actually bring our own energy to the things that we believe in, that can be a big helper in releasing that type of, of stress that comes from helplessness, because it can feel pretty helpless. It can feel like, you know, this is an overwhelming problem and you've got to figure out who are the people who you believe can can lead change in some of those areas. You know, there was a lot on social media about the election. There was a lot of, you know, there's good stuff, there's bad stuff. But I think this election showed a lot of the power of social media and politics. What do you think about that? Is it useful? Is it harmful? I mean, where where do you stand on the use of social media and politics? Like with almost everything else in social media, there are positives and negatives, um, depending on how you choose to use social media, because it can be used as a tool. It can also be used as a weapon in some cases. Uh, it was useful in terms of trying to get most of the youth and um, young voters out there to vote, um, trying to like start trends, be like, I voted, did you vote? Trying to get polls out there so that people were encouraged to go and vote. Um, in terms of like how it could be harmful, uh, I mentioned like cancel culture, uh, and then even if you just had your own posts about social media, you could be attacked on there. Uh, you could be verbally abused, um, which with many other topics can happen on social media. But I just think it was really like scary to see that many people attacking you all at once. You, you, you don't even know who they are half the time. They're just coming at you from all like different directions, especially on Twitter. I would not recommend trying to post anything political on Twitter because that could end up very, very bad. Um, so just be careful with what you do with social media um, and try to use it for a positive manner by encouraging others to vote and trying to work together. And you can also use social media to network with people who share similar values with you uh, politically, and then you can network with them to work on goals that you want to solve and issues that you want to solve. Yeah, I... Something I found out as I was scrolling through social media is um, the, the how the algorithms work. They want you to keep watching and keep you tuned to the app and keep you on there because that's how you're going to watch more ads and more, and so the companies get more revenue. 
And so if you end up on a certain political account and you get a little stuck on there, like maybe you're enjoying the content, it'll keep pushing those types of uh, information or those types of accounts. And it kind of sends you down that rabbit hole. And in both directions, it can kind of do, it can send you into like certain levels of extremism and pushing very extreme information, which is very influential onto your own opinions. And so being very mindful of what you're consuming on, on the media um, and try to stay, try to keep some factual accounts on your, like for you page or explore pages, as opposed to um, ending up on a very extreme or very biased account. So being very careful about where you're ending up on social media. I think that's a really, really good point. And, and that is true. I mean, when you start looking at, you know, you may look at, at a different viewpoint just to get more information. And the next thing you know, you're going to get more and more of that content popping up for you. That's, that's how it works. I also know, um, I heard there was a trend on TikTok where you could find out people's voting record, which I thought was really kind of disturbing and, and a little strange. Mm-hmm. I, I think I know there was one on TikTok and maybe not just like because I know that one's finding people's voting records, but another one where like you would have to guess people's uh, political alignments based on random things that they liked or random hobbies that they had. Because there's now um, like if you're if you're Republican, maybe you're more like a country person kind of thing. And there's just that certain attachment and association between things. And so using that, they'd like guess certain people's political alignments. That's a really, really good point. There's a lot of assumptions that we make about people's politic- political beliefs based on things that they may or may not like. For instance, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not you you like country music or hip hop, whether you like, uh, you know, Chick-fil-A or Popeyes, for that matter. There's a lot of assumptions that we make about people's belief system just really based on stigma and prejudice. And that's something that that can be perpetuated a lot in social media. So kind of shifting a little bit of gears, when you look at the people that you voted for and the people that were elected in your communities, um, what are you hoping for from this new cohort of elected officials? I know for us in Oregon, um, more than a third of our entire legislature is brand new, which is really kind of scary if you ask me, but uh, it's brand new. What are you hoping for from the people that you've elected in your communities? I know for Pennsylvania, uh, and they've been struggling to pass like legislation for school excuse mental health days. Uh, but based on the people who are elected, I'm ho- very hopeful and very excited that uh, it will be passed in the upcoming months. Yeah, I, I live in Texas, um, and there wasn't far too much change in Texas, unfortunately. But um I'm hopeful that I don't, I don't really know, to be honest. I'm just waiting to see where it goes first. Well, I know here in Oregon, one of the biggest issues uh, facing Oregonians is houselessness. And there's a very, very large impact, especially in the greater Portland area. This is a very divisive campaign. Uh, we had three women actually running for governor and three women running for governor. You was hoping for a little bit less caustic campaign. That didn't necessarily happen. It was it was pretty bad at times. But one of those big issues is in regards to houselessness and really those social issues um, that include mental health, uh, because there's a lot of that that packs into all of that. And so I know for us here, we've got a lot riding on um, bringing change to those issues, 
bringing direction and bringing focus and, and actually doing some very meaningful things. I have a little bit of hope. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I have a little bit of hope. Um, I'm hopeful that things like what Muhammad, you were talking about, about mental health days in schools and some of the other national mental health policy will continue to move forward because of some of the uh, elections that we saw there. I, I'm also a little bit nervous because I think some of our priorities are going to be more focused now, especially nationally on we have a presidential election coming up in two years. So now we're going to all be looking in that direction. And I really hope that uh, Congress maintains their focus uh, on less on the election in two years and a whole lot more on where we need to go and how we need to heal as a country, which gets us to the point of when one of the things that that has been plaguing our country is the divisiveness. And how do you have respectful and engaging discussions about politics with your peers, with your family members, with other folks who may differ than you? What are some tips and tricks that you all have worked on to be able to have those types of conversations? I think the biggest thing right off the bat is differentiating the person from their opinion so that they, the person themselves, the person themselves don't take uh, the difference in opinion personally. You just you hate the opinion. You don't hate the person themselves. That allows you to have a conversation about those opinions. And then uh, people won't get defensive and be like, oh, so you hate me or you don't, you think I'm wrong. You could, uh, it allows the idea to seem wrong, not the person itself. And it allows, uh, it, it makes it less likely for people to take issues personally, which can escalate situations, conversations, especially around Thanksgiving, around the dinner table. Um, so I just think differentiating the person from their own opinion allows a more thought-provoking, engaging conversation. Uh, and then even if it ends in like an attitude where you like say agree to disagree, that's fine. You were able to have a discussion, see other person's viewpoints, and like who knows, seeing other people's viewpoints and learning more about them could end up opening your own, uh, opening your mindset more, which I think is important in uh, our country is to have an open mindset. That way, like more can get done, essentially. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things, because I know a lot of people when they're um, having that political discourse, they um, it well, more often than not, it's not even a discourse. It's just an argument back and forth without listening. So keeping a keeping an open mind, but also finding a diversity of opinions. Um, Cause it's very easy to feel like you're correct or that you're listening. Um, you have the right beliefs or um, everyone else's beliefs are wrong. It's very easy to feel that way when you're listening to people who have the same beliefs as you, cause you're not learning anything from that. It's stuff you already know. So learning from other opinions and people with uh, different alignments or uh, different voting records, just learning from different people will get you, different information to actually reassess your um, values or reassess your opinions about everything. And I think one more thing is to be willing to compromise. You can't always be right about every single issue in the world. There are issues where you're like, oh, they actually have a good point, but I can't agree with them because we're on different sides. No, it's okay to have um, like different issues from both sides. And I think that's important uh, to realize because we are a bipartisan country. We have, our policies are influenced by both sides. So I think it's important mm -hmm. to accept some ideas from both sides um, and be willing to admit sometimes that uh, other policies are better than your own, which your side may support. 
how did you see this play out in school? I mean, you're you're both back in school. You're back there in person. Um, did you see evidence of the elections and any of the divisiveness play out in school? I mean, I, I, I do think that among my friends, we've been talking about it or like on election day, but it wasn't as much of a, uh, like as much of a topic in the grand scheme of the day, if that makes sense. Um, but when I was talking with my friends, like we have our opinions and we like, we're talking about how things have been playing out so far. And like the next day we were like, oh, the results, this is, this is how things went. And so. Yeah, I think as a senior class, we were like most, those who were able to vote were really excited and proud to be able to do it for the first time. And I think that was a really unique experience for us to share. Um, but as like a general school climate, we don't really uh, discuss political um, opinions and thoughts and candidates as much because we don't want it to like lead into um, heated discussions, which has happened, unfortunately, at our school in the past. But within my friend groups as well, uh, we uh, touch on the topic and just the, the results as well and like, what that means for the country. Because I think it is important to be knowledgeable of what happens and what can happen as a result of uh, elections. You know, I, I think one of the things that's really interesting, um, every state has a different way of voting. And in Oregon, we're 100% vote by mail. That's what we do. We vote by mail. We voted by mail here for years, actually, uh, which really promotes a, a lot of engagement. And a lot of people get to vote because we're not having to go to the polls and do some of those other types of things. How does voting happen in your states? And what have you noticed? Is is it a barrier? Does it help? I mean, what's the experience like? So here in Texas, I, I, my parents, I can't vote yet, I'm 16, but my parents, they did go to town hall to go and vote at, at the poll in person. But um, I think you can request an absentee ballot if you're not going in person. I don't. There could be some potential for issues and barriers with the absentee ballots and if they're being mailed correctly or not and all the uh, various issues. Like I, I back in the 2020 election, I know we witnessed a lot of that, but um, it's pretty standard here to go vote in person. Yeah, over in Pennsylvania, we have both mail in and um, going to the polls as well. They're both viable options. Um, I think mail-in is a little bit less common than it was in 2020, but it's still a strong option that uh, many people do use. Well, it's it's interesting because I know I've heard some candidates talk about the only way that we can, can vote and know that we have a good election is if we use paper ballots that people go to the poll and they fill out in person. And I think about the barriers that come along with that, uh, especially for people who may have transportation problems for people who may have differing abilities and may for whom travel is not the easiest thing to do for people who may want more time with their ballot. They may want more time to sit with their ballot and their, in their election, their voters pamphlet. Uh, I know in Oregon, we always get this thing called a voters pamphlet. I don't know if that happens for other States, but it allows for time and discourse within, within our family. I'm very fortunate. Uh, my kids are both of age to vote and have been for some time. And so we kind of sit around as a family and we talk about that and we talk about how their vote matters. And one of the interesting things that happened this year for my son was his, he got a letter from the elections office 
that said, we need to verify your signature. So you have to refill out. This is after he cast his ballot. He has to refill out his voter registration so that they can verify his signature because they haven't counted his ballot yet. And I found that to be really interesting. And it raises the question of there are people who feel very apprehensive that their vote doesn't matter. It's just one vote. Why does my vote matter? What do you say to people when they say it really doesn't matter? It's not going to change things. I know for us here in Texas, like that was kind of a that we kind of felt that because it is a predominantly Republican state. And so uh, and I believe in the government election, governor elections, there was like a, a million votes of a difference between the two candidates. And so it's very easy for a lot of people who would vote Democrat to feel like, oh, this wasn't going to make a huge difference. But I feel like if you keep thinking that way, then it really won't. And at the very least, if you try and you'll see if it makes a difference, it you've tried. Because I don't, I don't think at any point you would regret voting at all. Yeah, I'd say, first of all, take advantage of your right as a citizen of the United mm-hmm. States. Because several people in the United States live here, but they don't have the privilege of voting. So I'd say take full advantage of that because not everyone has the ability to do that. And I'd say look at the results from the past uh, for states like Texas and see like the growth. Um, it may be 1 million votes between the candidates now, but it may have been like 5 million 10 years ago or so. So there is a gradual um, shift and shows that there are changes occurring. I remember a statistic from Wyoming, I believe, there was a 400% increase in young people voting, uh, which was huge for them. Uh, and that made huge strides in, like, the political race over there. Um, so, obviously, like, w- with more and more uh, Gen Z being able to vote, that will cause the political climate of the country to change and shift. So, I'd say for everyone, uh, take advantage of it. Keep voting. Uh, you will. You may not feel like it's significant now, but in a few years' time, in the next presidential election even, it may be very, very significant. Well, and that brings up such a good point. I, I had a friend who um, ran for county commissioner, and it was the first time she'd ever run for office, and she didn't win. And the reality was, you know, it sometimes takes more than one time. It sometimes takes things like name familiarity that plays a big role, people getting to know how you feel about different things, um, you know, people getting to know what you stand for. All those things matter and change takes time. So it can be really, really difficult, uh, especially for new candidates coming in to defeat an incumbent. But those types of things take time. So thinking about our next election, which is coming up in two years, you're both going to be able to vote. You're both going to be able to participate. Have you given any thought at all to maybe participating in the election process itself and maybe working on a campaign or working on an issue campaign? What do you think? Uh, that's actually interesting. I haven't actually given a thought to like uh, a campaign or an issue campaign. Um, but now that you say that, I'm like, Ooh, that actually sounds like a good idea. Um, so I, you never know. It might be, uh, an opportunity in the future. Yeah. I think it's something that would be, I, I would feel better doing that because I, I, I feel like I'm playing more active role in my uh, community and, um, pushing forth for change that I believe in. And so to me that, it would be nice to be able to, and I, I would look forward to trying to find something to work towards. Well, I know that many of the campaigns this year uh, offer things like 
fellow fellowships for people, for young people who want to participate. And some of the work is difficult. I mean, phone banking, where you have to pick up the phone and call people and cold call people and ask them who they're going to vote for. That can be really, uh, really mind-numbing work, but it's also essential. Uh, I think what we're going to start to see in the upcoming elections is less of the phone banking type thing and more of the door knocking where you're going out and talking to people and meeting people, but a lot more social media. I think Mm -hmm. that social media has become a part of our political process. I hope that it becomes and continues to be a force for good, but it really gives that opportunity to dive in and look at different things that people stand for. Think about what you value and the things that you look for in a candidate. Um, I know we talked a little bit about climate change, but what are some of the other things that you look for in candidates when you're looking, when you're going to be looking to vote in this next election? I know for me, it's important, like in terms of uh, opinions with race, minorities, uh, as a Middle Easterner, minority myself, uh, that's really important to my heart. Um, also, like in terms of taxes, uh, opinions on tax brackets, tax rates, um, and then climate change is huge. What they're actually doing, not, they're not just saying, uh, oh, climate change, recognizing climate change, if they have an actual plan put in place to address the alarming rate of climate change or of global warming and what they have in uh, what they're prepared to do and willing to do to help alleviate this crisis. Yeah, I I mentioned it a couple times before, Quet and Mohammed also mentioned it. Climate change is very important. Um, also with like uh, abortion rights and like school regulations and to some extent, because I know at least for us in Texas, there are laws, whether they're passed or just like in talks with um, what can and cannot be teached at schools or um, things that certain that kind of censoring teachers to some extent or like um, certain things like uh, making Martin Luther King no longer a required teaching, uh, like no longer being required to talk about the civil rights movement or certain things like that. It's those are some things that are very important because education is a very important thing to us in the future. So things like that also matter a lot to me. One thing I did mention, uh, sorry, is gun control too. Mm-hmm. I think they, uh, this next cycle of uh, elected officials need to really focus on gun control and come with a rapid solution before we have more crisis, such as the Uvalde shooting. Yeah, because that's, at least in Texas, it was very like, yeah. In schools, they're, they've enacted a lot of policies because after Uvalde, but it feels very surface level. Like, it's not really getting to the root cause of the problem. For example, we have to wear our school IDs at all times. And while I think that's important, there's so much more to be done. Yeah. And so That's an episode for another day, I can tell you, definitely. But I do really appreciate bringing up the issue of schools. School board elections are some of the most important and the least understood elections, because that's what's really going to impact what you're taught in each district around this country. So think about who you're voting for for school board when you're looking at those ballots when you turn 18. You want to elect people to the school board who are going to ensure that that the students who are coming up behind you are getting as broad an education as they can. I want to thank you both for joining me on Talk To Be Well today and for sharing your thoughts on the 2022 midterm elections. If you are looking for support with your mental health or any other medical questions, please visit us at Providence.org. 
And for parents, teachers, and students, check us out at worktobewell.org. That's work the number two, bewell.org. We have a lot of great Talk to Be Well episodes out there about elections in prior years and about, you know, how to have some of those crucial conversations with people when you might not always agree. I want to thank our, our guests today. And uh, I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, and this has been Talk to Be Well. Be well, everybody. <laughs>